You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In this episode, we're talking about how sermons are prepared here at CCC, both in the sense of how do we think about the whole year, what are we going to preach on, what topics and passages are we going to hit over the course of the year, but then also for an individual sermon, how do Joe and Zach think about preparing to speak each weekend when we share from God's Word? Welcome into Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got the rest of our leadership team, Zach Wyrock, Joe Coffey, and Stacey DiNardo with us. And our topic today is how the sermon schedule and sermons are developed at CCC. So this is a question we receive time to time. Uh, just interest about how do we come up with what we're going to preach about, and then for for those of you, for those of us who preach, especially Joe and Zach, how do you actually form a sermon and, and put it together in a way that's uh, meaningful, relevant, and does all the things that you you want to do? So those two things. We'll start with the sermon schedule. So you may not know we have a, a fixed rhythm that we use for our sermon schedule, which Zach I think can tell us more about how we came up with that and then how we implement it now. Yeah, so uh, I put the annual preaching calendar together in terms of the sermon series, and I do that with Mike Howarda and with Joe. So Mike and I work on it and then give it to Joe, and he gives us feedback, and we kind of land in a place that we all feel good about. Uh, One of the interesting things, though, is there are a number of factors that that go into that. Um, So we have seven sermon series a year. Um, So we have a vision series in January, then a gospel series in the spring that coincides with Easter, a Breathe Out series in May, which is uh, kind of motivating us to think about our neighbors, an Old Testament series in the summer, a Breathe In discipleship-oriented series in August, and then a New Testament series in the fall followed by Advent. So that's the first thing. As we know, going into every year, we're going to follow that rhythm. That rhythm is also going to include six Sundays that are not part of that series, uh, that are going to be our standalone, that global weekend, orchard weekend, those kinds of things. And one of the really helpful things about that planning is it allows all our teams to kind of build alongside that. So whether it's worship and production, communication, planning out the sermon series, or other ministries that are trying to coincide or not interfere or plan a big event can kind of go into the year knowing what the rhythm of the year is going to look like. So part of it is you're giving uh, something from every major food group yeah. in the Bible. Yeah, right. so, so there's so, a balanced yeah. diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh describe So it. we would like to say if you if you're at CCC for a year, again we people are pretty transient nowadays, so we just say if you're at CCC for a year, you're going to hear preaching from the Old Testament and from the Gospels and from the New Testament, which we think is nice. And also our kids ministry in particular, they follow our it's four 10-week series mm-hmm. that three, they're three 10-week three ten series, series yep. that their content mirrors what yep. we're learning as adults too. So Yep. Yeah, so they will write alongside right. of us. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, describe for everybody what happens in the total team meeting, creating the document, like for a 10-week series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, so, okay, so we have the the rhythm of the seven servant series. There are two other things that, that kind of inform it, uh, the planning of it, and then we get to the meetings Joe's talking about. The first thing is that we have these five food groups that we talk about in teaching at CCC, and we want to make sure that our teaching, and really in any ministry, but preaching is, is, is uh, included in that, covers systematic theology, biblical theology, the, the importance of the church, the Christian life and morality, and then mission. So we're going to make sure we have some preaching that intersects with those. 
And then we actually use a number of rotations. So uh, the Gospels, we're going to preach from a Gospel uh, on a four-year rotation. So in four years, we'll have hit all four Gospels. In the Old Testament, we use a rotation that that uh, we're going to narrative and wisdom literature and the prophets, and we'll rotate that. And then in the in the rest of the New Testament, we actually have a tiered approach so that in 16 years, uh, there will be have been preaching at our church over the course of that time from every book of the New Testament. So sometimes we land at something like a sermon series on Revelation, which we just did, and we're informed by that by knowing we needed a systematic theology uh, sermon series. Uh, we, uh, we were going to do it on heaven. We needed a breathe-in series that was discipleship-oriented, and we needed to touch on the book of Revelation. So those things, three things combined— to create the sermon series. Okay, explain the difference between systematic theology and biblical theology. Yeah, it's really simple. Systematic theology draws circles. So what does every what is everything the Bible says about angels? Let's find all those verses and draw a circle around them, and everything in that circle is the Bible's theology of angels. Uh, biblical theology draws lines. So every time you see an angel show up in the story of the Bible, we're going to trace the line of angels throughout the story of the Bible to see the role that they play in the particular uh, story. So one emphasizes the narrative of the Bible, the other emphasis emphasizes the theological content of the Bible. And so we want to have both those rhythms. But once we've done that, so Mike and I go away for a couple of days each year. We try to tie all this together using all the rhythms and rotations and sermon series, and we emerge with a year's worth of preaching. We create a one-page document for each sermon series that kind of hits the the what are we covering and, and how, how are we breaking the passages up. Uh, oftentimes it'll include that take-home piece that we're, you know, I think is a big part of who we are, a devotional piece or whatever it might be. And then we circulate that to all the teams of the church. So that's what children's ministry is going to use to create content. That's what the comm team is going to use to do their work, guest experience, worship, production. They're all working from these documents. And then we will meet... So we have 2024 done already. Done, completely done. done. So he's got those right now. Yeah, so July of the previous year, so July 2023, we have 2024 finished. And every team gets to work. It's an incredible, I mean, it's an incredible team. It's incredible. And then we will first meet... On that sermon series, I think it's three months out. 12 weeks out, yep. So 12 weeks out, we all get in a room, and everybody kind of presents what they've been working on, and we just make sure it all fits together. We'll talk about what songs are we going to sing, what are the slides going to be, what is the color scheme. It's going to happen in the atrium. What's in the atrium, what's the take-home piece, and we're just making sure that we're all... All of those parts are kind of fitting together. What's the stage design going to be, all of that. Scripture reading videos, all those things. And then we'll meet again... That's an all-day meeting, and, right. that, um, and that's again. That's I'm the one describing it, but there are a ton of people involved right, in that meeting. Right. And then they'll go do they'll go finish their work, and then we'll meet again three, three weeks, weeks before out. the sermon series. And that is kind of everything's locked in. Uh, so it's kind of funny because sometimes the, the coolest moments in a service are the result of four months of planning. Right. They yeah. go all the way back to July of the previous year when maybe Mike had an idea on our time away, and then that got handed to Holly uh, Dyke Andrew, who's creating an atrium experience for that. And everybody's going, wow, that's amazing. And so many people contributed exactly. to that. That's months yeah. and months of work. Or even something as great, I know as a, one of the preachers, that when I preach a sermon and I and we do communion, and then after communion, the song we sing oh, yeah. is so perfect. Yeah. Like, that's not accidental. Right. Uh, they've been working for months to line that up. Yeah. yeah. So 
Yeah, it's very fun. I mean, after serving you know for forty years in in ministry, uh, there are a lot, lot of times where it seems like the pastor's sermon is the only thing that has been really worked on. I mean, and it's kind of isolated. Now I feel like I have the passage that I'm supposed to be preaching on. I get to work on that, but I know it's fitting in. It's one piece picture. of the puzzle that is every other piece is going to be in place by the time I put that last piece in. It's very, very cool. Yeah. So that's all the planning that goes into in a big, like macro scale. So yeah. the year is planned. Picture. Yeah. So Joe, you, let's say you're preaching in a given week and, you know, that now we'd say Thursday night is coming, right? right? right. Uh, and And you are starting with a blank sheet of paper in your Bible. And a verse or a passage. And a, yeah, and a passage. passage what, yeah. what, what, does, what, what are the steps to get ready? Yeah, that's, um, I mean, every preacher has their own kind of thing. And I know, Zach, you and I have talked a lot about it. I, I will start by reading that passage and trying to read it like I'm hearing it for the very first time. And I write down my, uh, my questions or what, how it strikes me because that's how it's going to strike them yeah, when they I hear it. I do the exact same thing. Right. So I just want to know, is it confusing? Is it? scary like like uh this week is the first time we're kicking off a thursday night service first week of galatians Galatians, and you know when i read those first 10 verses of galatians the first thing that struck me is that paul is taking a flamethrower to the to these people and i have to ask my question (laughs) you know why i mean why why what made paul so mad because he doesn't get that mad very often so that's what i would start with um and you do the same thing. Yeah, actually, I, I print out the passage, and then I just mark it up. So I'll circle words, right. I'll highlight, right. I'll write questions off in the margin. Yeah, because I, I actually think you're right that what I find confusing, they will, you know, the audience. It, what I find interesting, they probably will, right? right. And, and that's going to guide my research. So if I pick up a commentary, if I... A lot of times, I'm not really interested. I mean, I was I had a Galatians commentary in my hand today. It was like 800 pages. I'm not going to read 800 pages, but I am going to go to it occasionally with questions that I have. Right. Of hey, what's this word mean in the original language, or what you know? Why did Paul use this expression, or how does this? And and they're helpful with that. Do your like you each use points? Do your points develop at the onset as like a form of an outline, or as you are developing the sermon? Yeah, uh, my points have to happen the first day. That I'm okay. Is that thinking. right? Yeah. That's funny. It must freak you out then when I come to you and yeah. I'm like, what do you think about these? <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're like Thursday. I don't even take you seriously anymore because I know that they're not, they're not set yet. Uh, but I have to, I have to have those because I need kind of a framework. Now, th- every once in a while, those will change like on, yeah. on uh, the next day or something. But most of the time, that's what I stick with. So I try to get, the, and what we're trying to do is boil it down. It has to be simple. What people don't realize, I think, with sermons is that there's so much that ends up on the cutting room floor oh my goodness, that yeah. never gets in. If you know, that's one of the things. If you ever listen to uh, a preacher and you're thinking, uh, and you start looking at your watch, he did not cut oh, out yeah. enough. He didn't add yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, when when we preach, I know when Zach preaches, uh, I I I very seldom find myself uh, looking at my watch when Zach preaches, except when I know he's starting to wind it up. And I think, oh man, that happened, that, that happened fast. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that's the sign I think of a, of a good sermon. Um, but there's an awful lot you research, you read, and then it's, you just just don't use. Yeah. Yeah, It's something that you needed to have in your head to kind of 
create what you're going to create. Sometimes it's tough because it was an idea you loved in the yeah. beginning, right? Yeah. You're excited about it. And then you realize, oh, it doesn't fit or it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for me, I'm going to take all my research and, and turn it into a single sentence. No commas, no conjunctions, just something. So if somebody were to say, what's your sermon going to be about this week? I would say... In one sentence. This, this is, is the elevator a, pitch. Yeah, it's like the, the t-shirt expression, right? It's just, yeah. this is one sentence, no commas, no conjunctions. And then once I have that sentence, I, I'm going to f- use logic to say, okay, if the sentence is, um, everyone who loves Jesus tells other people about him. Okay, simple sentence. Let's just say I was preaching that sermon. Is that then I'm going to say, well, what three points do I need to, to arrive at that? To, that. to, yeah. to argue that, right? It, there's going to be a certain logic that says, uh, well, well, how do I know that's true? And those three points tend to follow the same rhythm for me, which is uh, the first two points are building what I call tension. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. it's getting you, to me, it's that Acts 2 moment where they come to Peter and they go, well, what must we do? You, you know, the, the whole goal of my first two points is to get you saying, oh, shoot, well, what do I do? How do yeah. I do this? How do I become this? How do I... And then that third point is to solve that tension with Jesus, right? right? right. Is to show you how only because of Jesus are we able to become or be or stop or whatever the case might be. So I've done a little bit of preaching, not nearly as much as the two of you, but one of the things that uh, that I've experienced in preaching is... Uh, what I would call like the waiting. And what I mean by that is like, is that period of time. It, I don't know if this happens for you. I'm curious to hear about what it's like, but where I've done a lot of the reading and the research, but I just don't feel like I have, I have it yet. Like the, the sermon hasn't arrived yet. Do you experience that? And how, like, Joe, I know you're really regimented. So how do you balance that? And, you know, you, you have, you, you have it when you have it. Or is it different for you where you kind of like know Joe right always away? has it by like about Wednesday like, morning. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he does it. Yeah, I, uh, people have asked whether I get you know, writer's block or yeah. sermon block. And, and um, I haven't always, I fear that all the time. I think everybody does. Uh, I think it has helped me. It'll be interesting how this rhythm changes um, with Thursday night. But I always have Tuesday to think. Like that's my day off. Yeah. So I think... Um, I remember reading that the Puritans uh, back in the day would uh, they would ruminate on Scripture while they plowed their fields. I mean, there's something about just thinking, thinking, and your your mind's working all the time. Yeah. So I feel like I don't work on my sermon on Tuesday, and I get the but most do. work done yeah. on my sermon on Tuesday. Huh. Yeah, I feel like I noticed this. Uh, yeah, I think when well when I was in college, I was a math major, and it would happen a lot that I would run into a math problem that I couldn't solve. Right. But then if I slept. The next day, all of a sudden, it was clear. Yeah. I had yeah. an idea yeah. of where I needed to go, and I feel like that's happened in sermon preparation too. Yeah, I've compared preaching before. People ask me what it, what is it like uh, every week having to, and I, I've said because I think people could resonate with this. It's a little bit like when you were in school and you had a test coming up, and uh, if you if it was a big test and you had studied, it was never not on your mind. Right, right. right? So weeks that I'm preaching, I can be watching a movie. And it's I'm always thinking, I mean, yeah. every, I'm constantly thinking, and Amy will say weeks I'm preaching up, I mutter to myself, you know, I'll be mowing the grass, I'll be in the shower and I'm, and she's like, oh, I can tell you're, you're turning it over, you're trying to find, and, and it really, I'm like that constantly until it clicks. Hmm. And then when it clicks, when I know I've got it, I've got, I've got the passage, I understand how to explain it and, and I'm excited about it. Cause yeah. to me, for my preaching, yeah. that's the key. It's like, I'm. I am excited about it. Once I get that, I can relax. But until I have that, 
you know, I'm not stressed. I'm just working. And that's one of the things, like a great joy of the last five years of my life has been sharing preaching uh, with Joe. And that's for two reasons. I mean, one is I really like sitting under Joe's preaching, which is probably the biggest compliment one preacher can give to another preacher, um, is that when Joe's preaching, I don't wish I was preaching, <laughs> you know. Uh, but also I've realized I, for the first time in my life, I've had weeks off. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm in the office, but I'm not preaching, not and I'm free of that burden. And 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 I remember one time where I was I had preached that week, but I wasn't the next week. And the feeling of relaxation that I had of like, hey, I did the work, but now someone else is going to step up. It was awesome. I mean, I, I have. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I have really enjoyed just the ability to to give it everything I got, and then. Unplug for a week, right. and and then enjoy the Bible as a hearer and not a, a teacher. Yeah, most people don't realize how hard it is to preach two weeks in a row. Yeah, because yeah. when you, uh, like when I finish on Sunday, if I preach the next week, uh, by Sunday night I'm I'm You're thinking about thinking about it. it. Oh yeah, and I'm concerned, anxious, and I'm the same way with uh, with Zach. I, I I am anxious all the way until. Uh, Saturday, if I'm preaching Sunday, it'll be tomorrow morning. If I'm preaching Thursday, I mean, tomorrow's Thursday. So um, then I get excited because I feel like I'm ready, you know, and then it's almost like getting ready to play a game or um, I'm excited about what I'm going to say. I'm excited about what I learned. But until then, I'm really, I'm pretty anxious. It's funny because sometimes on Sundays that I preach, um, I feel pretty tired that afternoon. And sometimes I feel guilty about it because... I think there are a lot of people who do jobs that are harder than mine, you know, and they're, they're working with their hands all day or, you know, and I think, why am I so tired? But but I think it's not necessarily because the task of preaching, I mean, for me, the task of preaching, like actually being up there is fun. Yeah, That's I've, fun. I think it's that burden you're carrying all week. Again, it's yeah. like taking a test you've been studying for all week and then the test is done and you're like, you don't even know what grade you got, but you're like, oh my goodness, you know, yeah. I'm just glad to have that off my off my mind and off, and there's an unburdening I think that happens that I don't, for me, I don't know, Sunday afternoons, I don't know if you're tired, but for <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm I, about an hour after I get home, I'm high energy because I'm still kind of, and then Fair after enough. that, I'm, I mean, I'm a mess. Well, it, it is a heavy mantle to carry. I mean, yeah. it should be in many regards burdensome because of how important it is in bringing yeah. that to the church. So, Joe, one of the things that we share uh, in our preaching is we don't, neither of us use notes. I wonder if you would just talk for a minute about why why is that? Why don't you use notes? Um, for me, I feel like uh, notes are a barrier between me and people. And you and I have talked. And I, I will steal what you're gonna what I would you're gonna say. Uh, I feel like uh, not using notes uh, lets people know that I really believe what I'm saying and that it's already become a part of me. Like, uh, and I operate a little bit different than you do. I actually I write out. Uh, my sermon in a manuscript uh, longhand. And then I will uh, preach it out loud uh, twice, uh, at least twice, and I'll time it because, you know, we also have to, we have time restrictions on sermons. Uh, and that's the way I internalize it. So by the time I get up, I feel like it's it's in me, and then I just have to talk like I like I really know what's in me. That's what I'm not trying to, it's not memorized anymore. It's kind of become a part of me. Uh, but I write it out and then 
do it out loud. You do it differently, mm-hmm. right? You put it on a whiteboard and yeah. then – And then I'm out loud kind of in my own right. head all week. How yeah. do you time it? Uh, well, that's a good question. <laughs> he does it. That's he why he goes over. Easy. I mean, not for the most. Very I think, close. But I think we, uh, you just develop a rhythm, I think, where I know what you know 28 minutes feels right. like. But the other thing I would say about not using notes, and, and this is, I'm actually teaching a class I'm preaching right now, and I, I've said this, this has actually become a conviction of mine. I feel like if I get all week to get ready, and I need seven pages of notes up there with me, then what chance does the average person listening to my sermon, right. mm-hmm. they get to hear it for 25 minutes, they don't get the eight pages of notes, you know, what chance do they have to remember what I'm saying? So I feel like going up there without notes forces me to be simple. It forces me to be logical. It forces me to be sequential. That's how things get buried in in my mind. So you'll hear me a lot when I'm preaching. I'll say, and that leads me to my second point, or you might be asking this. Well, that's actually my, and it's that, that flow that actually helps me to memorize it. But I'm thinking, but that's the same flow you can take with you. That, that makes sense. And I I really think, uh, last question. So this, I'm just nerding out now. One of the things that makes, (laughs) I've said this to you before, one of the things that makes your preaching so powerful, uh, and this is something you have that I that I don't have, uh, is the ability. I, I think I've said before, you take the you can take a complex truth and give it to me in a way that I can like put it in my pocket. Yeah. You know, that's why people resonate with the bicycle wheel. It's just so like I, I mean, it's just so buried. It's that's to me that's your that's your genius is you can take these concepts and give them to me in a way where I will remember them and they will be meaningful to me and I will pull them out when I need them. Uh, have you just always done that? Have you worked on that? Like, how did you yeah. become uh, able to do that so well? I don't know. I think I'm probably like Michael Scott where so, you know, he said, you know, explain it to me like I'm a, like I'm a fifth grader yeah. and then explain it to me like I'm a third grader. <laughs> uh, I feel like I need things to be simple. I need to break things down until it makes sense in a very, very uh, simple way. It's one of the reasons I use props. I like props yeah. because it's something I can see. Um, so if I think when I see something complex, it frustrates me. Like I get, I get, um, you know, I get ang- not really angry. I just get frustrated because it seems like it's hard for me to understand, right? So yeah. then if I break it down, I think it's part of uh, dealing with my own uh, frustration with things that are too complicated. Like putting furniture together or anything, my wife will say, yeah, she's got to do it. Yeah. Anything that's uh, more complicated than hitting a, a nail with a hammer, <laughs> too much for me. Uh, but I, it's become easier over time. That's the way yeah. my mind works now. So, yeah. and I always, I have felt for a long time, if I can understand something, I can make it understandable to almost anybody. Yeah. Um, and I like that. I think one of the things that maybe is the heartbeat behind the approach to preaching and teaching at our church is that the Bible is meant to be understood. Yeah. By yeah. the average person for the purpose of changing your life for the glory of God, right? And that, and so it's, I think, part of what you and I agonize over all week is, God, I know you want people to understand right, this. Right. So it seems fuzzy to me, or it seems, but I know I'm the problem. Help me see this and communicate this with the clarity it is meant to be received and understood, and, and uh, that is our goal every week. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged 
at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.